Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Armstrong and Getty. Pretty damn cool. Very fine people on both sides. Armstrong and Getty. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. Featuring our podcast, One More Thing. Available everywhere podcasts are given away because we're stupid. It's difficult to get full of pizza for some reason. Has that ever been studied? Uh, I've studied it my entire life. But like, but I can get full of steak, like steak, delicious, great, fancy steak restaurant. It was really expensive. I want to mm. eat it. I'm just full. I can't eat anymore. I yeah. can't eat another bite of that steak. That almost never happens with pizza. No, I stop from shame. I stop because I think I'm going to feel terrible, or this is you know nobody should eat this much. But not because or I'm going to get super fat. But almost never because I can't eat another bite. Right. That's weird. So true. A new study of people who overindulge in pizza found that their bodies maintained healthy blood chemistry with no immediate poor health effects. This is good news. The study reveals that our bodies are well adapted to an excessive delivery of dietary nutrients in no, one I've huge enough. meal. I'm off. <laughs> it's lunchtime. Participants were asked to eat pizza until, quote, comfortably full. How many pieces would it take until I would say I was comfortably full? Twelve. A, cu- a couple, certainly. Well, it depends on the cut of the pizza, naturally. Right. Yeah, we talking deep dish, thin crust. What are we, what are we talking? How big are the slices? And then on a later date, they were asked to eat until they could not eat another bite, which I said rarely happens with me. Hold my beer. And then they were tracked for mood and appetite, as uh-huh. well as met- met- uh, metabolic and hormone function. 
Um, on the second occasion, I like how you emphasize the second syllable of hormone. Don't pay her. Like it's a, a Hispanic name. This is my friend Hormone Gonzalez. On the second occasion, the overeaters ate double the number of calories. That doesn't surprise me. Oh yeah. Well beyond the daily calorie needs of a healthy adult man. Shut the f up. Oh, easy. This is science. Why'd you throw you that don't in scream there? obscenities at scientists? It's rude. We know we're not supposed to eat that much. You don't need to put that in there. Who's that for? Yet bodies manage to maintain bloodstream chemistry, thereby adeptly coping with the influx of food. That is kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah, we have an adjustment mechanism. This indicates that the occasional overindulgent has no short-term negative consequence in terms of your metabolic control. It does make you fat, though, right? Yeah. So there's that, but then there's this. The overfed body fails in one category, energy level. (laughs) The overeaters were lethargic for a prolonged period over four hours. Four hours of being Sounds about right to me. I'll be with you in just a moment. Oh, my God. Food coma. So this seems to be kind of about the, if you live a healthy kind of normal diet, you can have a cheat day. And, and quote unquote, a cheat day and not have any lingering health effects right. of that. Good for you if you can make that work. Cheat, yeah. cheat days on anything don't work for me. I have to, I have to stick to a routine and a habit. Is, is as soon as I introduce taking a break from exercising or eating right or whatever it is I'm trying to accomplish. It's like breaching a dam. Yeah. <clears throat> You're so, a dam. You're not a gate. Yeah, mm. yeah, and it's great if you can do that, but I can't. So back to the four-hour food coma. You have the half hour of all, uh, come on now, I'll be fine, all right. And then roughly two and a half hours ago, given into it, where you just lay around in a food coma, and then there's that hour of, uh, all right, I got to get moving. I got to get, I got to get something done. Uh, but you're, you're addled, you're slow, you're, you're anesthetized. So, yeah, four hours rings about true to me. I eat less now because I don't have that option. I know I do. I I don't get full because I know the kids want to play. They're going to want to do something. I can't. Going and laying down on the couch after I eat, is. I haven't done that in years. Oh, it's every bit as good as you remember. (laughs) (laughs) No, I might be out on the trampoline or riding bikes five minutes after we eat dinner, but there ain't going to be laying down on the couch. So I got to take it easy. but, But I certainly remember the days of... A basketball game tonight. Order a pizza. Deep dish. Maybe a six pack of beer. Mm, I'm just gonna maybe. lay there. <laughs> How slow is your metabolism at that point? I've eaten an entire pizza, a couple of beers. I'm lying on the couch. It's the end of the day. Is your metabolism burning a single calorie at that point? I, I don't know how you measure it. I know that like all your blood goes to your digestive system and away from your muscles and your brain, and so you're sitting there. It goes away from your brain like you actually get stupider after you eat too much? I think more sluggish. You know, what am I over here, a vein guy? <laughs> but, yeah, I know your blood circulation goes to various places where you need it. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, man, I had a serious food coma going yesterday. <laughs> from eating what? Oh, so bad. Well, I had a kind of a tiring morning, in a good way, but it was tiring. And I get home, I, I think, hey, wait a minute, there's a leftover brat in the fridge. Wait a minute, there are leftover beans and bow tie pasta, too. God, I need all that right now. So I had a way bigger lunch than normal. I was just hungry, and I ate her down. And then in the afternoon, unlike you, I had virtually nothing I had to get done. <laughs> and the golf tournament on the TV. 
And my my life force was very low. God, I very remember, low. I remember when a Sunday afternoon was like that. That's so unimaginable to me now. Yeah, I, can't I, even, I can't even believe it's like happens for people. Yeah. I'm so, kind of scared of it coming back someday again in my life because I, I didn't handle it well the first time around. <laughs> <laughs> Something I ask myself all the time, particularly on on the weekends when I'm just kind of lounging about, is are you hungry or are you just bored? Are you oh, looking yeah. for some sort of activity to fill some time, or are you actually, do you need calories to keep going? Right. Are you looking for pleasure, or are you looking for food? Right. Which is it? Well, I gave in to the, the pleasure one. Uh, yeah, I didn't even mention, like, two hours after I ate that big lunch, I wasn't hungry at all, and I went to the pretzel chips, just because they taste good. It's terrible. It was a real lapse for me. That's why my invention of the uh, the, the, the valve in your neck is such a good one. If you're eating just for the flavor or the the sensation or whatever it is, you don't want the to, to go down into your tummy. You I have see. a little hole in the side of your neck, right? The valve and a bag attached, and you chew it and swallow it, do all that sort of stuff, and it goes out into the bag. I feel like you need to do that operation once you're already in a in a committed marriage because it, it's just going to make the dating scene a whole lot trickier. It's kind of gross. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a conversation that well, I it's mean, an it's, opaque it's not going to not come up. Don't have a clear bag. Have an opaque bag in a variety yeah. of colors that match your outfit. Designer styles. Or just that is honest to God a good idea. I'm surprised nobody's ever t- t- talked about this before. Or, or just twice a day incorporate powerful laxatives into your day, <laughs> so the stuff just goes through you like a you know uh, poo through a goose. But I, I, I've done this many times where I eat something and I think I don't want that in my belly right now. Right. There's what no, have I done? There's no advantage for that milkshake sitting in my belly right now. I don't need the nutrients to the extent that there are any Enjoy there. the chewing, the, the swallowing, killers. the sucking. <laughs> Whatever um, it was that I enjoyed, it's over now. <laughs> the milkshake, exactly. Um, yeah, <laughs> now, I didn't, now I wish it weren't down there. <sighs> there's there's got to be a way. A bulimia is a way. But, I mean, a <laughs> different a good way. way. Well, exercise is the way. Well, they had that one, you don't absorb fat. Pill that led to oh, spontaneous oh, yeah. and uncontrollable bowel movements. It's supposed to be horrible. Oh, yeah, you just walk around soiling you. You have to have a diaper like you're a one-year-old. But, hey, I can eat whatever I want. <laughs> I wear a diaper. That's another one you might want to introduce after you've already got a relationship. You child. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, I, have to, I wear this diaper, but I can eat whatever I want. Surely there will be a non-absorption drug you or something soon. It just soon. goes through you. Well, right. That makes yeah. such great sense. That will change everything on the planet. Everybody would have to go poo after every meal, but who okay. cares? Yeah. Uh, humankind would Society adapt. will adjust, because I'm not changing my habits. <laughs> I want that that milkshake right. now. Oh, yeah. I'm going to eat wait, it. Wait a minute. I'm pretty sure we've decided you're not allowed to comment on anything food-related. I'm sorry. I because, this like Jack, you do... <laughs> <laughs> No. Congress actually passed a law abridging your freedom of speech, and I voted for it. <laughs> Specifically on food-related. Because you're not uh, an Epicurean like myself. No, no, no. Food is an inconvenience for me. It's I, I generally have insane. to stop doing something it's that insane. I enjoy it's doing terrible. in order to mm. stop the hunger pangs. I wonder if it would be really abused by people if you knew that you could eat. Would people just eat constantly? If you oh. knew you could take this pill that it would just pass through you and not cause you to be fat? They just. I think the novelty be... would wear off. You think? Yeah. I mean, it's not like I want to eat a hundred percent more than I should. It's more like twenty. That's true. You can. You think, like, I've had sexual relationships where I thought, you know, I'm kind of, 
Uh, this is too much. <laughs> yeah, That's enough we, of that. Yeah, I'd like to try that. <laughs> Check out the great new swag like the new masks at armstrongandgetty.com. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. Information. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. Featuring our podcast, One More Thing. Available everywhere. Get more info at armstrongandgetty.com. Bob Odenkirk, the guy from Better Call Saul, and uh, obviously Saul uh, Saul Goodman from uh, Breaking Bad, is going to be like an action star, Sean? Yeah, uh, the, the film, I believe, is called Nobody. Uh, and he, uh, he, he is portrayed as a family man who is encounter, he, he becomes the victim of a crime, uh, which then awakens, uh, seemingly his long lost past that he tried to keep inside. Oh. And, uh, and yeah, and then he, he, he just lets the, the, the dragon out. Wow. Do we know what his long lost past was? Was he like a, uh, he seemed to CIA be a CIA assassin. Uh, it seemed more like criminal fixer sort of thing. Um, oh. uh, yeah, yeah. People who came to Bob Odenkirk late in life don't understand how jarring a change this is for those of us who are watching him on Mr. Show back in the day. I mean, this is just Which not, not the guy. It, it, that, among the most quirky, yeah, no just kidding. avant-garde sketch oh. shows that have uh, just constant non-sequiturs. Oh, oh, a yeah. bizarre experience. <laughs> yeah, wow. I'll have to die. I haven't seen that in ages, and I was barely... Uh, Mr. Show? Yeah. Oh, wow. I'd seen yeah, a little avant-garde bit of Avant-garde is the, definitely the right term yeah. for Odenkirk it. and David Cross, yeah. I think. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Both go on show. to both go on to be amazing actors. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, jarring transition. We were talking a little bit about Afghanistan the last couple of days, but we have some clips of Benjamin Hall, who's uh, Fox News correspondent, who's been in Afghanistan. And uh, I don't know, that guy's out in the streets and uh, running around saying, the Taliban's going to move into this neighborhood in 10 minutes. And I'm thinking, dude, you're... <laughs> <laughs> you're out of your mind or you have enormous balls or, or I don't know. You don't care. Um, but he's uh, reporting from Afghanistan on a drawdown. We'll just start with clip number 20, Sean. The drawdown is underway. After almost 20 years, bases are being closed and troops are heading home. It's believed that just two large bases and several satellite ones will remain for the 2,500 soldiers who stay. But on the ground, the situation is getting worse. The Taliban are launching more attacks, taking more ground, and thousands have fled their homes. For these people, a peace deal seems a long way off. This, this man says that children are dying here, they've got no food, they've got no heating, but that is still better than the war and the fighting they've fled, and that, that fighting is worse now than it has been in a long time. He's asked the Americans to stay in Afghanistan till they can bring peace. Hmm, that's interesting because I know uh, at least the most of the people he was talking to in Kabul, they want the Americans out, including the current president and the old president, Harmad uh, Karzai, the guy who wore the little... Uh, uh, the leopard skin pillbox hat, the, to the, quote Bob Dylan. No, it was a unborn goat, remember? That's what his hats were made out of. Durr. Unborn goat, so they're supposed to be very soft. Very nice. Ew. But anyway, so the current president and the old president who probably have at uh, least the threat of hanging by their feet from the town square when the Taliban take over, right. um, are in favor of, of us getting the hell out of there, and almost the entire population wants us gone. Well, remember, those guys are warlords, so they'll go back to warlording. I suppose. Um, but so it's it's curious to me that going from 7,500 troops or so down to 2,500 is, is withdrawing, and I... I hope that 2,500 is enough to defend themselves, no matter what the Taliban decides to throw at them. Well, I was listening to a military guy the other day, and he said mostly what these amounts of troops that we've had have been doing for a long time is 
Um, there are enough of them there to protect themselves where they are, and they call in airstrikes with the best technology that exists in the world. That's okay. what they do. All right, that's reassuring. Let's hear clip 21 there, Sean. The rise in violence is thought to be a tactic by the Taliban to gain leverage in negotiations. Secretary Pompeo says the peace deal is at risk. And I made clear to them that the violence levels can't continue while these negotiations go on. It won't work. And so we've asked all of them to stand back and indeed stand down. I, I'm a, um, I like Pompeo, and I have liked a lot of Trump's foreign policy. They're continuing to claim that the Taliban are not, are not supporting al-Qaeda uh, is a lie. That's just not true. There's nobody that seems to believe that. Ah, so they think the only way to gracefully get out is to say that? Is so to make it. the claim that the Taliban has broken with al-Qaeda. Lovely. There's just, there just doesn't. That there isn't evidence to show that that's true. No, I have not heard anybody of any substance saying it other than the administration. And finally, clip number 22. The Afghan war has cost almost two and a half thousand American lives and almost a trillion dollars. $138 billion of that has been spent on relief and reconstruction. And the rest of that clip, which glitched on special report with Brett Baer, but I happened to hear it on Bill Hemmer's show earlier in the day, was he said, and they've spent... Uh, what that, some astronomical figure, hundreds of billions of dollars on rebuilding and relief. And as you look around Afghanistan today, it's hard to imagine where that money went. Well, it was completely wasted. Yeah. All the yeah. roads that almost every mile of road that was built has been blown up since then. The only exceptions being the uh, roads that are especially handy for uh, opium trafficking by the Taliban. 90% of the heroin in the world comes out of, of those fields, which is really quite amazing. Yeah. Well, well, I think it's probably going to go back uh, to where it was in 2001, essentially. I I, I guarantee you it is. Yeah. Um, but if they want us gone, um, how, how do you stay? What's your justification for staying? Well, as a wise man once said, if you want a democracy more than they want a democracy, there's never going to be a democracy. Well, that's a different thing, though, than us staying just to keep an eye on al-Qaeda so they don't get to set up uh, bases where they're doing their... Uh... Jumping jacks and everything like that, getting ready to attack us. Right, jumping in and out of holes, monkey bars, etc. <laughs> I don't know how that trained them up so well, but it seemed to have. Yeah, yeah, well, world keeps spinning. Isn't it amazing when you live in the United States and you're as safe as we are? I have, I have zero threat to, to me today. The most threatening thing that will happen to me today is walking by, by a couple of homeless people hanging around downstairs when I go to my car. Um... But to those parts of the world where it's just the freaking Middle Ages, man. It is just the Middle Ages. Well, I was struck watching the video of the clip uh, where Benjamin Hall explains that people are leaving their houses because of the threat of violence. And they had a shot of these people leaving their houses. And pardon me, folks, but their their houses were just <laughs> I mean, they were like, you could not live there. You would so freak out. I would so freak out if somebody told me, yeah, you're living here for the next uh year i mean just tiny shacks in muck with no electricity running water anything like that yeah it's middle ages stuff if you're going to be thankful for anything today be thankful you were born in the united states of america and not rural afghanistan amen brother amen the best masks i've seen and they say armstrong and getty on them you can get one at armstrongandgetty.com this is the best of armstrong and getty 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. Featuring our podcast, One More Thing. Available everywhere. Get more info at armstrongandgetty.com. Yeah. But so we're, we're talking about video games on Friday. What's the name of this game, Sean? Uh, the Last of Us 2 is so, the, the, the game that just came out. So I read a review for the... Have you heard? I'd never heard of sounds this. Sounds like a <laughs> rom-com sequel. <laughs> All right. Is it, is it Tom Hanks or Ben Stiller? Which is it? The Last of Us. Had you ever even heard of this? No. I had not. No, sir. So I came across this review in the New York Times, and it and it, it mentioned something in the headline of, you know, the biggest video game of all time making X gazillion dollars or whatever, and I thought, I've never even heard of this video game. Well, the second version of it, it is out, and the reviewer said... It will make you question everything you hold dear in life. It will make <laughs> you. Me? It will make you question the meaning of love, and it, and it quoted several people reviewing this video game, saying, 
Uh, I played it over the weekend. I still haven't recovered. Wow. Um, you know, <laughs> but, I, I played it for an hour and I'm still not the same. That my, sort of thing. My friend who's the uh, same age as me uh, texted me over the weekend. I would describe the first two hours of The Last of Us 2 as emotionally taxing and nerve fraying. Great game. Wow. <laughs> wow, what's the nature of it? Why is it making me question everything I hold dear? And why would I want to? Why would I ever want to do take in any entertainment that I'm still so shaken from a week later I can barely function? <laughs> Uh, the genre of the game is kind of a, a survival horror sort of thing, right? It's a, it's about a pan, a disease slash zombie thing. All right. It's got a, a disease element, which is one of the reasons it, it's so huge right now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, the, the plot of the first one, which came out seven years ago, so I'm not worried about spoilers or whatever. Uh, the, the main protagonist is a young girl who gets infected by the disease, but it turns out she has the cure and you're, uh, kind of playing the role of the guardian of her. And uh, trying to get her to the place where they can get the get the cure out of her, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Um, uh, the the ending of that game has a bit of a, a grim finish, as um, you've been playing as the protector the whole time. Turns out that the only way to get the the cure for the rest of humanity, they can't do it and have this this girl survive as so well. You got to kill her. No, n- well, that's what they do. You as the spoiler alert. You being the protector of her, then you kind of flip out as a character and you kill the doctors, and then so you've kind of doomed humanity because you had this connection to this girl, right? And now the sequel is uh, people looking for revenge but, on the guy who did the stuff in the first one. Uh, okay, oh boy. but so you you get um obviously you must get emotionally enough invested in these people that there's some pain involved in. You know, somebody you apparently care about as a video game character? It is easy to not understand that video games, when done in this way, are as top-notch storytelling devices as there are on the planet. All right, sure. If you you are playing an interactive 10-hour movie... Okay, I get that, because I have watched movies where the character dies or whatever, and you're, you're hurt by it. Yes. And, you know... Nobody says to you, or you don't say to yourself, it's a movie, you idiot. It's just an actor. It's a script. It's a, the camera there. None of this is real. Right. And so that happening actually in a video game. Okay. So I can, that, that makes sense to me. It, Spread out over many, many hours. So you get emotionally invested in the story and then something horrible happens. And that's where the questioning love and everything comes from. Uh, well, it, it, it touches on a lot of it, like vengeance and revenge is a big part of the the underlying theme throughout both of these games. Um, uh, people who you thought you could trust not being trustable, right? Like this, you, um, yeah. It, it it plays with a lot of the human emotions that uh, m- movies of similar themes would do. So too. as we get better and better with virtual reality and video games and all that sort of stuff, and then these themes of violence and betrayal that make you question everything about life. What is this going to do to us? Um, I'm tempted to say if you have uh, a family, you don't need that because life makes you do that. Um, And when everybody was part of a family, I think there'd be less of a, a market for that. It's like you've said, I've said, um, uh, when I was raising kids, I did not go to any like tragic movies or hardcore family dramas. Or why would I? I'm in the middle of one. I'm living one. So I, it may have something to do with the uh, you know the unmarried, childless, uh, and making their way through lives and needing some drama. But I don't know. I wonder if there's any chance. Um... It's also fantastic entertainment. 
you know, I don't in its want way. entertainment that makes me question love. Ever, I don't either. Ever. Yeah. But, um, uh, or uh, I wonder if there's any chance of having something like that where people would be able to express the sort of anger we've been seeing in the streets the last couple of weeks, smashing stuff up. Hmm. But it's all played out on a video game, smashing stuff up and getting your revenge and righting wrongs. Wow. Now you chance got my attention. So it's not causing violence. It's It's letting off the steam that can cause it. Huh, or, I don't you, know. or you would be, or or would you be practicing that muscle in a safe environment, and then taking it to the street to burn? I don't know. I really don't know. That's a great question. Either. I think a lot goes into the participant of it. As someone who has played numerous violent video games and have kind of during those courses, thinking, oh, that's a weird impulse that I had there of in this digital thing. Yeah, really, give it to them, right? Like, mm-hmm. but I, I, I am among the least violent people I have ever encountered. Yeah, no, in my I'm, life. I'm not a knee jerk, uh, and there, there, the studies don't exist that make it clear that these video games are going to, you know, really warp you. <laughs> so, right, we'll have to wait and, see. you know, I don't know, I don't know, yeah. but, I have, but I have felt that. Uh, I don't know if placebo is the right word of it in these uh, aggressive video games, kind of feeling that same sort of ah, afterwards, similar to like if I'm going at it at a punching bag, right? Uh-huh. Like it, it, I've, I've felt similar uh, decompression of my own <laughs> psyche. Interesting. Yeah. I, I don't think, yeah. I, go ahead. Well, I don't, I, I don't worry about you because you're a reflective person. You think about yourself and your reactions. A right, lot of people right. don't. And I do need to point out that <clears throat> in Dave Grossman's fabulous book on killing, he points out that, the real breakthrough in training soldiers to actually shoot at the enemy. Because back in World War II, they figured out it was barely 20% of people with guns who actually shot at the enemy with the intent to, sh- to hurt incredible. them. They would shoot up in the air, over their heads, because people don't want to hurt other people, except for, you know, psychopaths. Um, and the way they broke through was in making targets much more realistic and later using video training and the rest of it where you're actually shooting humans. So you become uh, used to not shooting at a, at a bullseye target like they did back in all the wars before where guns were involved, but actual humans to de, uh, what's the term? Desensitize. desensitize you to actually shooting human beings. So I, I do worry about that. And it might be one kid out of 25 who, having been somewhat desensitized to human beings, also has a murderous impulse and goes out and, and mm-hmm. does it in a school or something. But I don't think there's no effect on it. But people. were they going to do it anyway? Well, no. Uh, no. My His argument would be they might want to, but they would still find mm-hmm. the act abhorrent enough they couldn't go through with it. So the person that's between Dylan Roof, I hate to know any, even know any of these people's names, but yeah. the person that's between him and normal. Yeah. That might not have done it otherwise. Yeah. And it's impossible to put percentages on this. You know, 8% of the kids who want to kill all their classmates have been influenced by video games. Mm-hmm. To go ahead and, I don't know. I also feel compelled to say that, that my mom had a huge part in this and that she would, when I got new video games, she would sit next to me as I played it and would kind of talk about what she saw and, huh. and would have conversations about the things and that as i advanced from your mario brothers and your sonic the hedgehogs up to more kind of you know <laughs> we're doing a lot of sonic the hedgehog oh that's great games love yeah. those um more to you know more teen and adult style games she was there kind of saying well that well that's over the top right just kind of right pointing out things that are obvious but it was important to have those conversations mm-hmm. <laughs> i will also report watching my son who's a, a very gentle person 
um, playing Grand Theft Auto yes. was hilarious. <laughs> and the, the violence is so stupid and over the top and obviously just it's just dumb. That it didn't strike me as threatening. It was just funny. On the other hand, he was not eleven year olds, eleven years old, and unsupervised at the time. Correct. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's that's funny. My son always says that. Uh, well, some of the kids at school play Grand Theft Auto or whatever the buying game is, and I say, which ones? He says, well, all the idiots do. And I said, yeah, all the idiots who are idiots because they got no parents mm-hmm. that are paying attention to them have those games, which yeah. is going to continue them on their path of being idiots through their lives. Yeah. It's not an accident how that all fits together. The best masks I've seen, and they say Armstrong and Getty on them. You can get one at armstrongandgetty.com. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. Featuring our podcast, One More Thing. Get more info at armstrongandgetty.com. They're, uh, the new football team, Washington, is going to have a question mark on their helmets. I, what the um, hell was that? Because the fans often shout that in recent years. Back when I was uh, into sports and attending sports and watching sports, I don't, I'm don't. i really not into it since I had kids. But um, they were on my list, my short list of places that I wanted to see a game. The places that have just the crazed fan base mm-hmm. where you do the whole thing. Because I did like Ohio State football and Kansas basketball and Packers at Lambeau and... You know, all your, mm, a lot jealous. of your, a lot of your great ones, Wrigley and all the, you know, the normal ones. And it's just, it's fun. Boston Red Sox, Yankees, um, places where they just really get into it. And, uh, it's fun. The, the, the bars around the stadiums and the parking lot before and after. And it's just, it's fun. And Redskins is certainly on that list because they have a crazed fan base. You know, what's funny is that the, uh, Washington Nationals, the baseball team, their fan base is a little embarrassing. It's just everybody's an out-of-towner. Nobody cares. There isn't, like, a real knowledge of baseball. Redskins is the opposite. They're yeah, the old school. Yeah. And the Washington Generals, I mean, they just cannot catch a break. No. They, they just yeah. get trounced every time they go out onto the floor. How do you not notice shotters, right? that somebody put a plastic lid on the hoop? Right. How do you not notice that? <laughs> exactly. He's just spitting the ball on his finger. That's true. Take it from him. Grab the ball. <laughs> <laughs> They're standing in a circle, passing it around at half court. Just jump in the circle. <laughs> you can't bring a bucket of confetti on the court. Right. Complain to the refs. They're making a mockery of the game. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, yeah, but you're right. The hardcore fans are for the Washington Redskins, who will be the Redskins no more. I'm looking at the various names that are being bandied about. Uh, they turned the Washington Bullets, the basketball team, into the Washington Wizards. Because people like uh, alliteration. Because wizardly wizardry is so popular in Washington. Well, yeah, um, exactly. Uh, they make your tax money disappear. Will Will Redskin gear be like super uncool? Uh, I always thought they had a pretty cool looking logo. Depends who you're hanging out with, I guess. Sure, there are a lot of hardcore fans who will not be burning their old Redskins. Gear. No, heck no. Now, here's a question for you. Ooh, they, they let it into the stadium. Do they yeah. let it into the stadium? That's yeah. what I was wondering. Good one. I mean, because like NASCAR with the Confederate battle flag. They said, don't even show up with that S. Wow. Well, say that with the old Reds. They can't. It's a good generator of new merchandising purchases. No, you can't wear anything in here. You got to go to the gift store and buy, and the, buy a new one. And then what will the social pressure be? It's like the masks. You know, there are some areas where there's social pressure to not wear a mask. And others, like where I live, there's social pressure to wear a mask. We'll we'll be wearing the old school Redskins gear at the game. You got the blanket and the jacket. 
Mm-hmm. No earmuffs because it's freaking freezing outside. Right. Will that be like, yeah, everybody's high-fiving you? Or, whoa, get out of here with that. You know, uh, Dan Snyder, the owner of the Washington Redskins, is a well-known dish bag. Um, but I don't think uh, he's smart enough to know. You cannot have ten, fifteen thousand hardcore season ticket holders since Grandpa uh, was a semi-pro player in the old, uh, you know, whatever, Poughkeepsie League. Um, you can't turn them away at the gate. No, 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 no. You can't come in here in that uh, uh, Sonny Jurgensen jersey or John Riggins jersey. Get that out of here. That's a Redskins jersey. You can and wear send it, them back to their cars. But you have to bring the receipt so I know you bought it before we changed the name. <laughs> right. You got to exactly. show up with paperwork. So it's like a Confederate statue. That if you was built put it in up, 1962. Yeah, yeah if you, you put it up it. during the Civil Rights Movement, that's no good. But if it's been up since 1870, yeah. it's okay. <laughs> So it'd be dissimilar with the Redskins gear. You have to carry your receipt. You bought this off of Amazon right after the story broke. So Washington Warriors is uh, popular because it's uh, it's got the uh, alliteration. Uh, let's see. Do you uh, go do, well if you own the team? Do you go meaningless? You just try to just keep your head down. <laughs> the Washington the Sassafras. <laughs> just you kinda, pick a it's damn a mumble beast. on your hand. <laughs> the Washington. <laughs> <laughs> That's what? our official name. That's spelled with two M's and a B. <laughs> uh, what's, a, what's a good beast that hasn't been, uh, you know, uh, put on a football team logo yet? There's no otter. A liger is probably my favorite animal. <laughs> Thank you, Napoleon. <laughs> Uh, 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 what'd you say? An otter? Yeah, otter. They're not fearsome. You gotta be yeah. fearsome. Do you? Yeah, I don't know. Like a uh, mountain lion. That's too close to the lions. I got a good John Riggins story. He was a running back for the Washington Redskins. Won a Super Bowl or two with him. He was a super stud. Went to the University of Kansas. I know someone whose dad was at the University of Kansas when John Riggins was there. And apparently it was a popular thing after a night of drinking. To see how much stuff they could stack up against the door, and then John Riggins would run and try to knock the door open. That's a good game. <laughs> wow. They'd stack up the couch and chairs and all this stuff, and then he'd get a full of his team and run through the door. <laughs> nice. That's a good after night of drinking, you've got a big friend sort of activity. <laughs> so you happen to be friends with a professional battering ram. <laughs> right. Which is more or less his job description. Yeah. 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 Uh, so the the Washington Red Tails is popular because it uh, tips the cap to the Tuskegee Airmen. It was their nickname, That'd and cool. it has red in it. So I the like, Washington Red, oh, tails, right. I like that one quite a bit. Well, and people are suggesting pig skins so people can keep saying go skins. That also ties in with their fans who are known as the hogs. Right. I find I think that's kind of an interesting reason why that, that to me, that's the, makes the most sense. But I also like the Red Tails one for the reasons we just mentioned. Mm. I hope they don't go corporate and go like Washington Red Robins or something like that. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, the Washington Warthogs. Not red to the... Lobster. What? <laughs> the Red Lobster. <laughs> Warthogs isn't bad. Yeah, a, a Warthog is a fearsome beast yeah. that is not yet a, a football team. It's, pretty well, good. it's not an attractive beast. But isn't but... there going to be a real effort to... Well, it is to other Warhogs. Otherwise, they wouldn't have baby Warhogs, right? Won't there, won't there be a tremendous effort to come up with any example of, you know, in Alabama in the 20s, it was popular to call a black handyman a warthog, oh, so that's God no sake. good. Oh, man. Yeah, you'll have to employ a team of researchers. Alright, how about the, uh, the, we'll go with the pigskins. Well, pigskin was actually an epithet thrown at Irishmen between 1780 right. and 1782. <laughs> yeah, because pork was cheap at the time, so they that's what they ate, and they, yeah, yeah, it'd be weird historical connecting the dots. <laughs> exactly. Somebody suggested the Americans. 
You've got the national. What about the Americans? It's inclusive. It's everybody who's here. Uh, I don't mind that. Um, the Washington natives, if you want to go with, uh, keep with the Native American imagery, I don't think well, that would wash. Well, a lot of the most popular uh, names out there, just because they've been around so long, they seem cool. But if you introduced them today, it would seem stupid. Red socks would seem stupid if you introduced it today. What the hell do I care what color socks they have? <laughs> I'm change your socks. Wear any color how, socks how you want. How am I want. supposed to get any passion for a color of sock? Right. You know, it would just seem stupid. Right. There have been two major sports teams that I believe have been directly named after, because their naming happened after popular movies. So I think the the Anaheim Ducks was a, that was a, essentially just named after the Mighty Ducks movie. Yeah, and then the Toronto Raptors because the first Jurassic Park came out around that same time that the Raptors oh, were. Is that right? That's and always so they, been a terrible name. So they were like, "Oh no, the Raptors! This is what all the people, the, the equivalent of this is what the kids are tweeting about right now. Let's let's go with the Raptors." Right, right. Teaming McTeam face. All right, just very briefly now, Renegades, uh, Red Hawks. The Miami University of Ohio was the Redskins and then became the Red Hawks in 1996. So, so precedent. There is precedent here. Yeah, yeah. The Red Wolves. Is there uh, such a thing as a Red Wolf or Gray Wolf? There's no such thing as a Seahawk. Well, it's an Osprey. <laughs> an Osprey sounds dumb. Uh, the Rainbows, the DCs. It's like the BGs, but the DCs. The Rainbows? Who's pushing that? Nobody. It's just here in the newspaper. Swamp, the Washington Swamp. <laughs> The Red Jackets, the Rough Riders, the Veterans. Swamp would be pretty cool. Swampers. The Federals, the Monuments, the Sentinels, the Defenders. My high school was the Sentinels. What's a Sentinel? It's a, somebody, it's a lookout. Okay. It's a, and it was, we had like a Revolutionary War looking guy. He was there at the fort waiting for the Redcoats. When the Redcoats came, he was going to blast them right in the head. Gotcha. The Defense, that's weak. I think I'd go super bland. We're the Cougars. Anybody got any questions? No, you don't. I, well, I was hoping See the for first Wildcats, but Go I'll take Cougars. Cougars right? yeah. Buy our merch. See ya. <laughs> yeah, man, we got like a lion-looking thing wearing a football jersey. So uh, buy it. <laughs> Check out the great new swag like the new masks at armstrongandgetty.com. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, 
Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.